and welcome to Gen Zero, a Pokemon movie podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Doug. And this week, we got an extra little treat, finally, after like 10 movies. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got a, another short, which is nice. Uh, what was the name of the short this week, Doug? This week's short is Moboetta's Dazzling Recital. Right. And what's the movie? Uh, this week's movie is was uh, Kyurem versus the Sword of Justice. Right. So, uh, let's jump right into the short here. It starts off in a, uh, a forest. Of sorts? Yeah. Next mm. to a, a giant stone structure of a lunatone. Which really freaked me out at first because it looked like it was just hanging in midair. We actually thought there had been two moons yeah. for like the first part of the movie. Yeah, giant fucking lunatone plus the regular looking moon. And all these Pokemon are just kind of chilling on these rocks in the middle of a lake, kind of. Like plateaus kind of thing. Right. And they're all apparently waiting for Mayoletta to show up. Because every full moon that happens over Lunatone Rock, which is the rock formation, Mayoletta comes down and sings, like performs a little song. They don't ever say where she comes down from. Oh, the moon. She's a moon Pokemon. She's from the moon. Her and, like, Chanseys and shit. <laughs> They're all from the moon. And if you don't know what Meloetta is, it's the singing, po- the pop idol Pokemon. Yeah, it's, it's a basically. pop idol. I mean, part of her head is a headset microphone thing, which is weird. But she starts, she comes down from the moon, I guess, and starts her little recital where she grows the uh. the melody tree. And I don't the, understand. They don't actually ever explain it, really. No. The way the narrator talks about it, which we should know, it's a female narrator this time, which yeah. we knew, which it, was cool. Um, but she she just says, it's the melody tree. Like, you're supposed to be happy and accepting of this thing without even... Understanding what yeah. it is. And from the melody tree, which is basically just a tree shape. That is it's, like musical bars. Yeah, it, yeah. It's made from her energy, or I have no idea. Yeah. It doesn't explain it. No. It's a looking at it right now. It's a glowing golden energy sprout that has little colorful berries on it. Yes, and those are the melody berries, and apparently they help her do her music. I guess each note is a note she can sing. I guess because when she, she just has, like has six notes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's actually yeah yeah it is six because. In the next scene, um, Meowth, who is there, uh, obviously we should mention that uh, Ash's Pokemon are all there, Iris's Pokemon, and uh, Silence Pokemon are all there. And, and possibly everyone else's Pokemon. Right, yeah, we'll get into that in a sec. But uh, yeah, they're all watching, again, we don't get Ash or his little group nope. in this movie at all. It's been a long time since they appeared in any of the shorts. Yeah, but also Meowth and uh, Wobbuffet are obviously there, because they have to be there. And they're sitting on a crustal. And Meowth gets really, like, amorous for this Mayoletta. Mayoletta? Meloetta. Meloetta. I'm always going to fucking... It's just like Curium and Curium. Alouetta, but Meloetta. Oh, okay. Meloetta. That's like an owl. But, uh... (laughs) But, yeah, he's really into this Meloetta. And he's for whatever reason that causes him to start scratching the top of this crustal. Do cats do that when when they get amorous? Do they just like scratch like the floor? I don't know. Um, but I'm a dog guy. I don't know that. The crustal responds by 
causing a sandstorm. And this causes the melody berries to go Dragon Ball. They, <laughs> they go up into the air and split off into different directions, except for one. Maloetta has a single berry, so five other ones go flying. After this, Meowth decides that he's going to go after all the berries and collect them for Maloetta for the creepiest fucking reason in the world. He, he doesn't want to like make her happy or anything. He just wants to touch her as he's passing the berries off. That's like yeah. his entire yeah. goal here. He's like the traditional like stalker pop star kind of yeah, deal going it's on. Super fucking creepy. Um, but as he's fantasizing about this, Pikachu and his little gang, which includes Snivy, Oshawott, Emolga, Axew, Scraggy, and Pansage, they all run off to help Meloetta anyway, because... Scraggy and Axew actually stay. Oh, right, you're right. Scraggy and Axew stay to cheer up Meloetta, but we'll get into that when that happens. And after Pikachu starts run or after Pikachu and his group run off, they the first who's the first two they uh, run into? They run into two Pokemon for each berry, basically. They run into two old friends? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, Totodile and Bulbasaur. Right, two grass types. Um, and the first berry is stuck up in a tree. Totodile is a weird grass type. Two grass oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, t- uh, Tortua or whatever it's called. Turtwig? Turtwig, yeah. Uh, yeah, Totodile is... Yeah, it could be Ash's Pokemon because... It's dancing? It, it's, well, it's jump roping technically, but it definitely looks like it's dancing. And uh, Pikachu does this kind of contortionist act to ask where the berry is. And they say, oh, it's up in that tree over there. Pretty big tree, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mind you, everything in this short isn't drawn traditional Pokemon style. Yeah, it's kind of like... Like, the backgrounds are all, like, pastel. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that other short where everything was, like, cardboard cutout uh, what, style what, what stuff. What one was that? That was the Why Not one. Yeah, uh, okay. Peachy Brothers, whatever, where Meowth took over the playground or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. From um, the beach. But before they actually make it up the tree, we get a scene of Scraggy and Axew trying to cheer up Meloetta. And Scraggy <laughs> decides that the best way to uh, cheer her up is to use Leer. I think Meowth is already using Leer. Yeah, right. But then, after a bit of arguing about that, they both realize that they're hungry, so Meloetta goes off to get them berries, which it's weird. I don't exactly know their story, like... Why they're so gruff with each other? Well, why they're kind of, like, left behind and always, like, kind of to the side. I think they're young. Yeah, they're, you can I, definitely tell, at least with Scraggy, that they're like, I'm they're guessing, kids. like, freshly hatched kind of thing. Yeah. At least the way they treat it. Togepi style. Yeah. Um, Pikachu. It then cuts back to Pikachu and the group going after the, the berry in the tree. Also, Meowth is there trying to get up the tree, but uh, Pikachu has firepower up his sleeve, or water power, I should say, where Totodile and Oshawa both use water gun to shoot him to the top of the tree, and then uh, Bulbasaur uses a, a vine whip, yeah, a, a modified him. version of vine whip to become springs to catch him as he falls down. The next scene is uh, Emolga and Snivy. Or okay. Snivy, if you may 
And who do they run into? Uh, they encounter Chikorita and... The other chick. Oh, uh, Torchic. Right. Fire and Grass. Yep. Oh, and as who... well as a Togepi. Right, exactly. And Togepi is already carrying this berry. Um, and as all Togepi apparently do, it drops it and it falls down a hole, like Togepi did in the freaking second short. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. So they go chasing it and they run into like an old minefield or something because there's like potholes everywhere and then they're running down a ramp or a uh, what's that called? cliff yeah a hill <laughs> and they almost fall off a cliff except chikorita uses vine whip at the last second to catch everyone and meowth and why not are there but they go flying off well, i said why not fucking well it's a pre-evolved form who cares he but, was a why not at one point. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, he wasn't because he needed incense to breed why not. Oh, that's so true. it's quite possible he was already a Wobbuffet. Yeah. So they get the berry that Togepi dropped. And the next scene is... Oh, yeah. Pikachu, Oshawott, and Pan Sage. And who they come across this time? Uh, they come across three water Pokemon. Right. Uh, being a Piplup, Squirtle, and a Psyduck. Right. Seeing anything familiar between all the Pokemon they're encountering yet? Seriously, surprised there's no Geodude or Onyxes. No, oh, so sad. Or Vulpix. Or Zubat. Any, any of his. Yeah. No rocks. Uh, uh, Volato. No, what's it called? Stupid thing. Uh, we're fucking idiots, Doug. What's the transition for every goddamn scene? <laughs> yeah, we are dumb. Uh, between every scene in this, mind you, there's a small transition. Not like the old. Short transitions, which were weird. Yeah, it's just. No, I guess one it's Pokemon. still weird. Yeah, uh, is a Krogunk, and he just kind of does, you know, Krogunk at yeah. the screen. So yes, Brock's it, Pokemon is represented yeah. at least by one. That, that is true. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, we, we're dumb. Yeah, looked right at him uh, the entire time. But speaking of dumb, Pikachu asks uh, Piplup, Squirtle, and Psyduck if they had seen a berry, and Piplup says, "Yeah, I've seen one. It's right over here." And points to a clam pearl. <laughs> and yeah. try to take its head out. Yeah. And gets its hand caught in the yeah, the clam. Then they see a corfish over by a lake. Another Pokemon that you know right. Ash's old Pokemon. It has a berry in its claw. So and then it goes like into the lake. Yeah, it just scuttles right into the lake, it doesn't yep. care. So Oshawak and Squirtle and Piplup all decide to go after it. And this doesn't work very well because at least Oshawa and Piplup are ditzy-ass Pokemon. Squirtle being the only competent one of the group. Doesn't matter. Corfish crab hammers them all into the air. Yes, yeah. Uh, Corfish definitely outclasses these three together. Um, they all try to do, like, water attack. Uh, what? Do you know what uh, Oshawa's shell attack is? I've never actually had an Oshawa. Well, I've had one, but I never really used one. Well, what? Yeah, it's some kind of shell bait. Yeah, Oshawa mm -hmm. rips off the shell from its front and As throws it at the corefish, which the corefish instantly dodges and it hits Squirtle. And Squirtle's water gun hits corefish or uh, Oshawa, and they both go flying into the air. Piplup eventually does use water gun to shoot the corefish into the air and gets the berry out, which Meowth actually picks up. Unfortunately for Meowth. It runs directly into a Psyduck, which then uses Water Gun on the Meowth. 
and the berry falls right into Pikachu's hands. Of course. Because, you know, Meowth can't have a good win. No, clearly. Well, this time I kind of don't blame him because he's kind of creeper stalker. Yeah, and the water gun shoots Meowth directly into a drift blim, uh, which has a berry stuck on its head. Because, I don't know how you don't notice that. Yeah. Chikorita then vine whips the drift blim to try to bring it down, but it's too light, and it pulls Chikorita, Snivy, Torchic, uh, Emolga into the air. Then Bulbasaur sees that, along with Totodile, Vine Whips, Emolga, and now Bulbasaur and Totodile are added to the chain. Then Piplup, <laughs> Oshawott, Squirtle, Corfish for some reason. Yeah, they, they all just start grabbing on. Yep. Uh, Pikachu grabs on the back of Corfish and starts climbing up. I've seen this. We've definitely seen this before. Yeah. Um, and then a strong wind picks up. And takes the Drifflim higher into the air, holding the stage and chain of Pokemon. While Pansage and Togepi are left on the ground holding the rest of the berries. Yes, because I would totally trust that Togepi is one of the berries. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and after a little bit of struggling, Pikachu managed to, to uh, actually get the, the berry out of Drifflim. But they all start falling. And uh, Meloetta sees this. As they're falling, it uses Psychic. Because, of course... Saves them all. I, I like that the scene when they're falling and uh, Emolga's just like, whatever, dude, I can fly. Yeah, it just starts floating down. Whatever. It's flying squirrel. It does what it does. Uh, but after M- Meloetta brings them back down to the ground, uh, Pikachu and everyone else hands over the rest of the berries, and Meloetta does her little performance. Oh. Oh. Meloetta drops me out on the crustal. Yes. Again. And it uses Sandstorm to throw them away. Which would have been really bad had it, you know, blown all the berries away again. Right. But now that all the berries are back, Meloetta can perform her recital. The titular recital. And it's it's alright. I mean, the song's not bad. It, Second part's better. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing really special about it. Just a nice little song. You just see things like the Pichu Brothers. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Pe- uh, Pichu. Basically, any Pokemon that was in a short. Oh, yeah. Was the, in yeah. this. The ones from the Hide and Sea. You know, yeah. Snorlax. Yeah. It's it's a whole, all the shorts, yeah, as you, you said. You can definitely see, and if we actually got the proper introduction from this movie, you could see the. Uh, the recognition, I guess, of the older movies. Like, it's, yeah. it's definitely... Uh, this is a celebration. That's pay- why it has a short in it. Yeah, it's paying an homage to the 15 years of Pokemon. Because this is the 15th movie. So, after we get a nice little glimpse of all the Pokemon and Meloetta does her song, she does her signature form change. And when she does this, the music changes as well. And it turns into this, like, Euro-techno beat... And the lyrics are pretty just Man. generic, but the the beat's pretty dope, I thought. And this this song plays over the entire credits. And uh, during the credits, we get little well, we obviously get little clips of the Pokemon dancing, but there's also uh, like a hide and go seek function to this uh, short, where there are also uh, little nods in the scenery to previous Pokemon. 
uh, previous legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Previous uh, small legendary Pokemon like Manaphy, your Muse, your Celebi, Celebi your Jirachi. Oh, so the Mythics. Yeah. The, the shape of the lake is what uh, Manaphy was. The tree... Uh, there was a marking on a tree that was Celebi. I think that was the only one we actually picked up during. Uh, yeah. There, there was a rock formation that was shaped like Shaman. No one likes Shaman. Yeah, but who cares because it's Shaman. There was another rock with a little twig next to it that was the shape of Mew. Uh, Mew. And, oh, there was like uh, a little rock underwater, underwater. with uh, seaweed coming off of it that was the shape of Jirachi. I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Yeah. Like, it, it, it made you go, hey... I kind of want to watch it again to, yeah. to see that. I didn't want to watch it again to no. see that. Um, but yeah, I definitely picked up the Celebi one. I think that was the most it was uh, most prominent. obvious. So, but yeah, it's nice little, um, nice little touch. All in all, I think the short was pretty good for a short. It was. It was. You know, I'm not gonna complain because it's been how long since we've had a short. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed at least some of it. Yeah. All right. The only thing I really didn't like was that went back to what one was it. Second or third one, mm. where the narrator talks the entire time. Yeah, at least it didn't translate though. Yeah, they didn't do the poke. You know, Pikachu says this, yeah. or Totodile says that, but she still talked a lot. Right, Kecleon was from the freaking dancing short, wasn't it? Uh, Kecleon was also from the man, the hide and seek mansion. Right, 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 right. They, that's the only one they didn't find, and that's where the other Axie was from. Yeah, because he was the gardener. Right. Yeah. It's a nice little short, nice little homage to the old shorts as well. And now let's get right into the movie proper. Kiram and the Sword Versus. Kiram versus the Sword of Justice. The intro starts out with a Flying Toasters-esque screensaver style (laughs) scene of Every single Pokemon in existence up to this point, except for Genesec. Right? Correct. Um, which makes sense because... because he's the next movie. Yeah. And, you know, you get your typical, the world of Pokemon. Wouldn't be the world of Pokemon without Pokemon. and How how they're great. And then it kind of introduces Ash and Pikachu and all that stuff. Uh, Pikachu is fighting a Drudgigon, another Dragon-type Pokemon that I have really no like, love for. He, he just looks kind of funny. Yeah, it looks weird. It, it definitely reminds me of Hydreigon. It had no. It had, doesn't have evolved form, correct? No, it's that's why I didn't thing. use it. Yeah, and there's no point in trying to use it because it didn't evolve. Right. But his partners this time are still uh, Iris and Simon. Correct. Because I keep the, saying Simon in my head, but I know it's not Simon anymore. The dead-eyed monster Simon with his giant bow tie and his love of terrible things. Yes, but uh. After the little introduction for, with Ash and them, of of course we got to set up the actual legendaries for the movie. So we get to see Caldeo running through grass and just kind of looking around, weird horsing around. Oh, just god <laughs> damn it! There's gonna be a lot of those, aren't there? I couldn't help it. But uh, yeah, it's just looking around, and then we see uh, that's Verizon, yeah, Verizon hiding in the grass. Kind of leaps out, about to attack Caldeo. But Caldeo does a like a donkey kick and shoots water out of the back of its legs. I know it's a water type, so it has to have water-based moves. 
Why is it shooting water guns out of its hooves? You know what? This, I'll accept. Later on in the movie, is a little worse. Like doing A, a little donkey, worse? A lot worse. Okay. Doing a donkey kick and shooting water out, that's kind of alright, but... Shooting all it really does this movie is, like, attack with its face and donkey kick. Right. Or double kick, as uh, it were. And Cabello mentions that it noticed uh, Verizion because it heard the voice of the grass, which I thought was a really dumb line. I wonder if Voice of the Grass is just a tinier version of Celebi. <laughs> yeah. And apparently they're just training uh, to make Caldeo stronger. Because it's basically the runt of the litter. And if you don't know, there are three of the other legendary swords. Or horses, apparently. Well, two horses, one dog. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be horses, but... Uh, Terrakion. Yeah. Terrakion definitely does not look like a horse. No, it's a, it's a dumb dog. Yeah, we get to see the key, or the special ability of these three, from Verizion first. It has an energy sword growing out of the top of its head when it wants to attack. It's called Sacred Sword. Yeah, I was going to say, theirs is called different than his. Yeah, yeah, their special move is Sacred Sword, where apparently they grow a sword out of the front of their heads and uh, attack with it. Yet, Caldeo can't do this yet. It just has a regular old horn. He's a trainee. Of course he can't do it. Right. Yet. He's in our clearance. Uh, we also get a scene of Caldeo training with Terrakion and Cobalion. Cobalion. These names. <laughs> just uh, name it Vanillite like fucking everything else. Just name it some no, every Pokemon is not named Vanillite. <laughs> yes, they are. But, uh, yeah, they obviously use their elements. Terrakion's obviously ground, because Terra. Uh, Verizion is grass, and uh, Cobelion is uh, electricity. electricity. And it's, I mean, nothing special, really. He kind of beats them all, sort of, except, you know, then they use their swords, and he's kind of completely yeah. outmatched. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what they're trying to do, is to teach him to understand the weight of his sword is what they say later and he then tells them that he thinks he's ready to fight kiram out of the blue yeah so apparently i guess it's like a rite of passage or something that's how i felt like i guess they all fight let's go beat up that nerd yeah right let's go down to the mines and beat up the nerd that lives there the old man kiram he's he kind of sounds like an old yeah, this, man too. This, it sounds kind of like har- just harassment oh we should mention that all three of them can all, all four of them can talk all five of them when kiram comes in later yeah and to be honest it's kind of weird and you know let pokemon talking is always kind of an hit or miss thing yeah. but i don't find any of them annoying like no. uh, i would expect seeing as how caldeo is the the the, the legendary of the movie the yeah. mythical it being kind of like maybe Jirachi Shaman, something like that, but it's not bad. Their voices are fine. I right. actually like their voices. I mean, you'll probably recognize voices if you listen to yeah. them. The only thing that bothers me is, in the past, telepathy has had a sort of echoing effect when they speak. Yeah. In this, telepathy is just talking. Yeah. Like, if they don't move their mouths extra, you just kind of hear them as they're talking. Yeah. Which kind of takes away from, you know, what it is. Right. The Sword Trio decide that Caldeo is not ready to fight Curiam. It's going to be like Meloetta. <laughs> Curiam. 
Kiriam. I gotta break myself of the habit because when I first read it, I pronounced it Kiriam, but that's not how it's spelled. Uh, I, I did the same thing. Don't worry, man. Yeah. So they yeah they basically tell Keldeo, no, you you can't fight Kiriam yet. You're <laughs> do it. You're you're too weak. You don't know the weight of your sword, and they don't really explain what that means, like on purpose. Like Keldeo calls them out for not explaining it. And they actually tell him he has to figure that out for himself. Right. Um, actually, uh, was it Terakion? Terakion almost Ter- says it, yeah. yeah. No, Terakion actually tells him that he doesn't know what it is oh, either. Oh, right, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I like Terakion. He's a dumb dog. Yeah. But during the night when everyone else is sleeping, Caldeo decides to sneak off and go fight Kiram on his own. And so he goes to where Kiram is obviously hidden out. Midgar? No. <laughs> <laughs> It really, really looks like the Mako reactor from Final Fantasy VII, both across between the one outside Tifa's village in the mountains, because the mountain that it's in looks exactly like that, and also the first Mako reactor you do when you start the game. It's really weird, like creepily similar. But uh, yeah, it makes uh, Caldeo makes it down to the bottom, where apparently everyone knows Kyriam. Kiram is hold out or hiding out and basically challenges it. And Kiram shows up and goes, uh, you really think you can fight me? Come through these gates and basically makes this weird arena out of ice. Uh, well, first it makes two like curved pillars out of ice that make, it makes a gate. Yeah. Yeah. And when, Caldeo inevitably walks through these pillars, through the gate. Uh, he then makes a bunch more pillars shoot in a circle around them, making an arena. This is a really cool arena, actually. Yeah, it looks really dope. Like, I would like to see it in, say, Pokémon. Yeah. The, the Pokémon fighting game they're making. Yeah. Or something similar. And I want to mention here that I think that uh, the CG they used in this movie works really well. Yeah, it's... It's not super noticeable, and it's yeah, it, it's yeah. nice. It's 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 not like the old CG where it was like, wow, that thing looks awkward. Really, yeah, really weird and clunky, but yeah, it, it blends really well with the the drawn animation. Also, we should mention uh, oh, Kyrium's uh, cryogonal. Kyrium's Kyrium's cryogonal. Yeah. See, we're gonna say that wrong the entire time. Cryogonal. Yeah, he has, like, a horde of them just floating around. Yeah, well, it's an ice type, and so are they, so it kind of makes hey, sense. Hey, you're ice, we're ice, let's hang out. Yeah. Well, it's the Mystics Club, basically. They're all hiding out in that mine, or whatever it is. We should mention that Caldeo says that it is a sword of justice, which it actually isn't yet. Uh, you don't become a sword of justice until you actually are able to create your energy sword. So it lied about being sort of justice, basically, to get a fight with Kiram. Because I don't think it would have fought him otherwise. Uh, and they start fighting. It's pretty one-sided because it's Kiram, legendary dragon, versus a poorly trained Caldeo. He's still a legendary horse thing. Yeah, but legendary like water level fighting. 1 versus level 50 or something like that. Um, the... Sword Trio shows up while they're fighting and, you know, watches for a little bit and starts yelling at Caldeo. And eventually during the fight, 
Caldeo gets its horn cut off. Which, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like, Shadow Clawed off. Just right off. That was. It, it smacks of the manga where that Arbok gets cut in half. <laughs> oh, it, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It reminds me a lot of that. Like, it's pretty. Can I mean. Imagine if the base series was as brutal as that manga. God, it would have been awesome. Then the the Sword Trio try to stop the fight. They sh- they come down and try to stop uh, Kurem from attacking. Uh, then, probably the second most surprising thing happens. The first being that fucking horn getting cut off. Kurem turns into white Kurem. Half Reshiram. Half... Mind you, there's, there's no Reshiram yet. Yeah, there's no Reshiram. It's just Kurem... DNA splicing itself, basically. And then freezes all three of the uh, the sword trio. Uh, Caldeo then runs away. Just, yeah. I mean, I don't blame <laughs> him. Just say, hey, yeah. He, he physically maimed you and then, you know, physically killed your teachers. Yeah. Run. White Kyurem calls out to him that this battle isn't over yet. And then we get our title card. It's not really anything spectacular this time. It's just the Pokemon logo, then Pokemon the movie. Kyurem and the sword versus... Fuck, why did it have to be versus... It's always and. <laughs> versus the Sword of Justice. I like the logo, the little underlined... It, a, it, it's, sword? it's a sword, obviously. But it kind of reminds me of the, the underlying Final Fantasy logo. Uh, they yeah. always have that kind of panache to them. And then we get our, our Ash Trio intro. And we get a traveling montage right off the bat. It's Ash, Iris, and Silent, of course, all on a train. And they're all just kind of messing around on a train. There's really nothing, because obviously the music's playing. So there's yeah, there's no, no nothing, talking or anything yeah, like that. Nothing really going on. We find out, uh, uh, well, they, oh, fuck. they stop off at Windy Station. Okay. And at Windy Station, you... Oh no, I'm sorry. During the uh, train ride, we get a glimpse of James at a payphone. And that's literally all we see of James till the end credits. Yep. And uh, when they pull into Windy Station, we get a little scene of uh, Jessie. And that's literally all we see of her for the entire movie. I don't think Meowth shows up till the end credits. I know he does not. Which is crazy. But you mentioned... That uh, they're off doing real work for Giovanni at this point. Yeah, during the actual series, uh, you may have heard about this or not, or seen clips. At one point, they became like actual like hardcore members of Team Rocket. They actually changed their uniform to the black uniform, right? And we're doing big work for Giovanni's major plot in Unova, which apparently what he was trying to take over Unova, right? Um, so deep cover kind of thing, right? Uh, but when they do get to Windy City, we get the uh, narrator telling us that they are headed... Uh, not Windy City, Windy uh, Station. We, we The narrator tells us that Ash and Company are headed to Roshan City. Middle is missing. Yeah. If you're a fan of Dota like I am... <laughs> I can't even... Just, I had to rewind the video... Because I wanted to make sure that she actually said Roshan City. 
he said. Our narrator is Malian. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. He actually stopped the video and actually looked and double-checked the spelling. Yeah. It's spelled Roshan. So. I'm only sad it's not known for its cheese. Right. Or its immortality. But at Windy Station, uh, Silent has to get off the train for a few minutes because he has to have a box lunch. Not just A. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. He calls himself a box lunch connoisseur, which makes me want to punch him in the face even more. So essentially he's saying he specializes in eating, like, booth foods. Yeah, exactly. Fucking truck stop food. Uh, and they do find someone selling box lunch. Just selling Happy Meal versions of box lunch. Yes. They all come in Darumaka boxes. Yeah, or they're, they're, they're shaped like them. And Silent's like, oh, they look great. So I demand that you sell me 15 of them. Along with three ice creams and three waters and three iced teas. Because apparently fucking five each for them. I'm wondering if they were also for the Pokemon. I can only assume. Because I mean, later on they do yeah, share them. they do share them. I want to point out something, though, how fucked it up it is that uh, the lady who's selling the box lunches has a vanillaite, and the children next to the vanillaite are eating ice cream that have eyes on them. Well, they're just like... The Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtle ice pops. With the, with the googly gumball eyes <laughs> yeah. that never match up, right? Except for the fact that it's like a real living thing that they're eating, basically. <laughs> no, eating something that looks like things. Like, well, are you yeah. mad at people that eat gingerbread men? Uh, I don't know, it's just... Well, they are actually ice cream, though. If uh, if someone was eating, like... What if I made a meatloaf shaped like a little man and I ate that? Would you be upset? If it was made out of people meat? <laughs> or if I didn't tell you what kind of meat it was made out of? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> After they get all their food, they get back on the train, and uh, Caldeo, uh, who is still running from Kiram at this time... And very injured. Very Falls on top of the train, basically. Lands How do you on fall train. on top of a train? Seriously. Well, it, they're right next to a mountain. I know, but it still is like, well, that's fine because they, they, they have also, you know, forgotten something as <laughs> yeah. train stop. Kind of important if you like Pokemon. Scraggy didn't make it on the train. How do you not notice your Pokemon didn't get on the train? It's Scraggy. I like Scraggies. I don't like Scraggies. If I don't, I don't a... like that fashion style of you know, baggy pants. But I like Scraggies. If it fucking picked up its pants, it wouldn't have gotten off the train. It wouldn't have missed the train. Scraggy does manage to get back on board thanks to Snivy's Vine Whip. Why didn't Ash just Pokeball him back? Because Ash is dumb. He would have tried to headbutt the Scraggy <laughs> back on first. Also, I think Pikachu kind of screwed him up about putting Pokemon in Pokeballs. I, I don't think he thinks about it that much. I don't uh, think he thinks that much, generally. Well, true. But speaking of Pikachu, Pikachu hears Caldeo on top of the roof of the train um, and goes up to look and that's when Ash follows and everyone kind of just goes on top of the train and like that's okay to yeah. do where's like the conductor or anyone that's in charge of this train yeah also Ash tries to help uh, Caldeo out and gets donkey kicked in the freaking neck which almost knocks Iris off the train which would have been terrible would it have been we're very biased towards his old companions by the yes. way if you haven't noticed Brock except except for Tracy. Well, yeah, it's it's Brock and Misty or nothing. I mean, the May was all right, but 
And Don wasn't too yeah. bad, but Max was Oof. and Tracy. And then uh, Caldeo tries to run again and says Kiriam is coming. And then he ain't wrong because Kiriam shows up. On the train. Yeah, and freezes two cars. Uh, they end up in basically the caboose, which is also a coal car, an empty coal car, which is probably irresponsible to do. Leave the station without coal. Honestly, oh, they were just using it to like extra storage for things. Maybe, yeah. Even though it's still empty. Right. And yeah, Kirem is about to attack, like, because they're stuck in this car, basically. And then the train luckily goes into a tunnel. So Kirem can't attack. Mind you, Kerem doesn't get hit by, like, the tunnel or anything like right. that. Like, it senses it coming and jumps off. That would have been funny as hell, though. Slamming right into the tree. It would have made him a less intimidating yeah. character. Uh, uh, then Iris hears the name Kerem for the first time. Apparently, it didn't hear it when... Or she didn't hear it when Kelde was saying it the first time. And she remembers that Kerem is the world's strongest dragon-type Pokemon because she wants to be the world's best dragon trainer because she comes from a long line of dragon trainers. And she has a flashback of uh, her grandmother telling her about Kyurem. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a correlation, like a rivalry between her clan there, like her entire village of dragon trainers, and Lance's back in Kanto and... And Johto. And uh, I think it was Samantha in another region. Was she also a dragon specialist? I think so. Or she wanted to be the best. I, I don't know. She she was really uh, close to Lance. I know that. Yeah, she, she basically explains that Kyurem's the strongest dragon type and that it can combine with Reshiram and Zekrom to become uh, white Kyurem and black Kyurem. Which is why he's the strongest. Right, exactly. Which, I'm not sure, did Iris recognize Reshiram and Zekrom from the last movie? I don't believe she made mention of it. Yeah, you'd think she would remember that. <laughs> oh wait, those two are dragons. Wait, I know these dragons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next scene is them pulling into town, and the first thing they do is they go to a Pokemon Center, obviously, because you have an injured Pokemon. Um, and instead of, well, since it doesn't have a Pokeball to be put into to be healed, uh, they lay it on some kind of examination bed where they basically do a CAT scan of it. And obviously they see that its horn's broken, like you needed any kind of extra medical devices to see it. Uh, to be fair, any of them, any of Ash's basic group, they didn't know what a Caldeo was. So right. that could have been a bit just how he was, yeah. for all they knew. Um. And then Joy explains that uh, the Swords of Justice are kind of, not the mascots for this town, but well-known in this city. And uh, so is Kyurem. And Everything they, is well-known in this town. They fucking know that Kyurem's just hanging out by the mines. And I'm, you know what I'm thinking? That's why the mines got fucking shut down, because it took up shop there. <laughs> and they just went, okay, yeah. bye. Do you th- I was going to say, do you think the mines were there before Kyurem or after? Yeah, not, not after. <laughs> we made mines, and then Kyurem kind of came one day, and we are just kind of... No. Yeah. We're done. But after that little explanation, uh, we cut to Caldeo just feeling better. Like, I guess they healed it up. I also want to mention that uh, Unova has different models now also for Nurse the Nurse Joyce. Yeah. 
She definitely looks different. And different partner Pokemons. Right. It's the Audino uh, instead of Chansey. Um, and after Keldeo is feeling a bit better, Ash, Iris, and Silent finally introduce themselves. And then Keldeo explains what happened to him. And then they all decide to eat because Silent wants to be Brock so bad it hurts. <laughs> oh, right. But before that, Keldeo is kind of determined to beat Kyurem and save his friends, the, the legendary trio. Of course he is. Yeah. And of course, seeing the determination from Keldeo, Ash has to be determined as well and help out. This entire scene felt very forced to me. Like, yeah. I know it's what Ash normally would have done anyway, but yeah. it just kind of like... We need to get Ash involved in this somehow. Yeah. So we got to do it like that. Then, yeah, then we have a little eating scene where everyone eats those. You want to see a horse eat a taco? Yeah. Watch this movie. Yeah, it's true. You can watch a horse eat a taco. <laughs> I don't know why I really like that animation of him eating the taco, or whatever it's supposed to be. And then Ash and Kelly are both almost choke on a taco. The next scene is the cryogonal freezing the river or part of the ocean that... Uh, Roshan City is attached to, and then Kyriam busts out of it. You'd think Kyriam would come up before it freezes over. Probably be a better way to do that. But uh, then it turns into White Kyriam and heads into the city looking for Keldeo. After a little bit of walking around the city, uh, which I don't know exactly what they were planning to do there. They'd probably look for a hotel. No, I guess not a hotel because they would normally stay in the Pokemon Center. Right. I don't know. But after a little bit of walking around, uh, the cryogonal find them uh, and start freezing stuff around them and trying to attack uh, Kildeo. Doesn't really do much, but then White Kiram shows up and they run away <laughs> because... White Kiram. <laughs> yeah, things badass. Then Ash decides, I've had enough of running. And orders Pikachu to use Thunderbolt on Kyurem. And after the Thunderbolt hits Kyurem, goes, Oh, electricity, huh? I can do that too. And transforms into Black Kyurem. And con continues to attack. Then they get split up. Ash, Caldeo, and Pikachu go one direction. And Iris and Silen go another way. And we all breathe a sigh of relief when those two are gone. I have to imagine that there was actually a sign on the wall there that says, plot this way. Yeah. Ugh, I hate how he runs. <laughs> oh, silent? Yeah. He runs like he's uh, top-heavy. <laughs> and he can't, like, the top of him can't catch up with his legs. Uh, so after a bit of fighting with the uh, cryogonal, they have to get away. And fast. Ash and Caldeo, that is. So, and they uh. they stop at a dead end. And this is where there, probably the dumbest thing in the movie shows there, there's up. There's no Pokemon tech that's really bad in this movie. There's no Pokemon magic that's really bad in this movie. There's just a dumb Pokemon move. There, there's this. Yeah. This, this scene in particular. So, remember when we talked about the Donkey Kick Hydro Pump? Apparently, not only the back legs of Caldeo can shoot water out. All four legs can do Hydro Pump at the same time, and Caldeo turns into a really shitty horse version of Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah, it... Yeah. It's kind of like those... It kind of looks like he's a horse walking on water stilts. Yeah, a little bit. It definitely 
it's not very graceful. We'll put it that way. No, no, not at all. Like, it, it reminds me of the jetpack, those water jetpacks that they uh, have yeah, out now. Yeah. Combined with when Tony Stark first tries to stabilize all of his cars. Yeah, exactly. In the Iron Man movie. Except, you know, he didn't have a passenger riding on his back. Yes, and he wasn't a horse. That would be a much different movie. Iron, I am Iron Horse. I, but uh, this doesn't stop the cry, cryogonal from chasing them. Uh, eventually, they get to a bridge, and the cryogonal frees the river under it. For whatever reason? Yeah, this is a weird fight scene. The cryogonal, or uh, the Caldeo ends up on the, the ice, so Ash sends out his Boldor onto the ice. And apparently the Boldor knows how to ice skate. And just kind of, or maybe it just, he pushed it and it just slides yeah, because down. because it's so heavy. Yeah. It's kind of like a giant puck. Yeah, it just slides down the, the ice frozen river and grabs Caldeo and they jump to the other side of the river. And this is where they meet up with Iris and Silent again. All the while, Black Curium is just chilling on the tower, like the biggest tower in the uh, city. I don't He's know. He's being badass. Yeah, I guess. But Silent has the idea to go underground using the subways. And the way he talks about the subway, it kind of feels like, like an advertisement for the subways in the games. Like, just the way he's... For the battle subways in that? I guess. Because just the way he talks about it, it, it feels like an, like an ad. And they get through the... Like, they use an unused tr- subway track to hide out. And as they... They, this, this is just stupid luck what happens. Yeah, they eventually end up um, in a, a a museum of sorts. I think they actually said it was a train museum. Yeah, they, they said it was a train museum, but I don't think they know because there's a blimp in the train museum. Also, I'm sure they set off so many like alarms entering through the back door like this. Yeah, seriously. You would think there would be better security here at this train museum. At this train yep. museum. So these, these abandoned... Train tun- subway tunnels lead to a uh, museum. Right. And uh, the best way to get out of this museum, apparently, is to use the blimp that's there. Because, you know, Iris knows how to work a blimp. In the train museum. Yeah, from the train museum. Uh, and, yeah, they... Well, it seems as though they take off using the blimp. But it turns out, as the cryogonal eventually find out after chasing the blimp, that it's just Iris in there. And she tells Caldeo, in, in a flashback basically, that I'll take this to distract them and you guys can run. And then the next scene is, well, uh, yeah. Kirim shows up. Yeah, Iris basically taunts the cryogonal for being dumb, and so does Axew. But uh, then Kyriam uh, shows up and goes, so what? I'm still going to freeze the stupid blimp, and does so, causing the engines to cut out. And Iris starts to fall, but... Apparently fixes it. Yeah, eventually. The next scene is what seems to be all of them on the train. Like, it's like a little small train, though. Yeah, that they like also a, had stolen from the museum. Tra- yeah, I would assume so. Uh, but... Security guard's getting so fired. Yeah. But, lo and behold, it's just Silent on the train with his stupid-ass stun fisk. You, yeah, you use a stun fisk to electrify the train so it powers up. Uh, 
Um, and then we get another little flashback of Silen basically saying the same thing to Caldeo that Iris said. Then we see Ash and Caldeo basically trying to get back to the mine at this point. And uh, Caldeo is thinking about all the times that the legendary trio like helped him out and kind of like equating that to Iris and Silent. Uh, we should mention that Kyrium also freezes the train. Of course. It's Kyrium. Freezing things is what it does. Yeah. Um, and Ash and Kildeo have a little bit of extra time to kill as they're walking along. And uh, he asks, what are the the three legendary horses dog like? <laughs> and, you know, Terrakion... Uh, Kildeo says, Terrakion is, is funny and fun and a cool dude. Verizion is smart and calm. And Cobelion, who is the leader of the, the three is an inspiration is what he says and they have little flashbacks of him training with each of them again and then they finally after that they make it to the mine thing is uh Caldeo's having a little you know post-traumatic stress disorder here right he, he has a little bit of a flashback to when kiram attacked cut off his horn and he's got he he doesn't want to go in so Ash being what he is, he's just, yeah. fuck it, I'll go in. Yeah. Oh, he's also really upset that he lied about being the Sword of Justice, and he thinks that's why Kyrem is actually mad at him. No, it's clearly not, you know, the fact that he ran away from uh, Duel. Ash says, fuck it, I'm still going to free the legendary trio. Um, I would see this scene entirely remade with Shrek, and Donkey crossing to Dragon's Castle. With yes. And Ash just shaking the bridge to make Caldeo go forward. Yes. Fight Kirim on the other side. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty badass. And there's a dragon on the other side. Exactly. So Ash goes into the mine, and he does find the, uh, the legendary trio, and he tries to break them out. How does he try to break them out, Doug? He himself uses a, uh, appears to be an iron bar. Uh, it looks pipe. like, uh, yeah, like a lead pipe. Uh, a fucking but, clue. He also uses uh, Pikachu and his... What's, what's Ted Pig's evolved? Pig Knight. Pig Knight. Yeah, and Boulder. Oh, yeah, and Boulder. Uh, yeah. Rock Smash, Flamethrower, and Iron Tail. Right, yeah, and for, Iron Pike. For, yeah, for each Pokemon. Right. Not necessarily that order. Yeah, yeah. At least Ash doesn't use Headbutt. Yeah, he didn't slam straight into it this time. Yeah. It's a big step up. He's learning to use tools. Kiram then yells at Ash to stop it, and then basically sends Dragon Pulse at Ash. But it's blocked by uh, Caldeo's attack. Uh, it's a little ball thing. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. It's a green orb. Yeah. It's a... seems strange that he got over his fear that quickly without any kind of... Maybe he heard or it heard uh, Kiram yelling. and Maybe, but... It kind of hardened it... him. He didn't want Ash to die. It's not. Know. It's one of those things that's kind of like just glossed over. Yeah. Well, it's it's a staple in the Pokemon movies where something's about to get attacked, but it gets countered. So you have to have one of those in the movie. But then once Caldeo shows up, it admits to Kyurem about lying that it's not a legendary sword or a uh, sword of justice. And then Kyurem says, well, "I I knew that all along. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dumb." And it creates the uh, the entire arena again. It's, and says, come through these gates if you still want to fight. And Kaldeo's like, alright, yeah, let's do this. 
and it has kind of a like a not a flashback but like a vision of i guess flashback you could say of the legendary trio the swords of justice and says oh i'm not really alone and jumps through the the gates and this is when it has its form change it goes into resolute form so a lot of form changing recently yeah curium's got form changes meletta but uh after Keldea form changes into resolute form we get a pretty long fight scene where not only does the trio finally manage to break out Caldeo is pretty much holding his own for the first part of this fight until Kyriam basically goes Super Saiyan and turns into Black Kyriam. Uh, Ash is about to like jump down to help, but Caldeo stops him. He's like, no, this is one-on-one. This is me versus him. I gotta prove myself, basically. The fight, uh, it looks nice, but it's really hard to describe if if... There's a lot of dodging. Yeah, it's it's a back and forth. It, yes. It's cool looking. It looks alright, but... Kyrium does a lot of big area attacks. There's just a lot of dodging those, and then counterattacking with his new pointy horn in resolute form. Right. Its leg eventually gets frozen in ice, and uh, Kyrium's about to go in for the kill using uh, black form. Because, you know, lightning versus... or electric versus water. Right. And it looks at first like Keldeo's going to make it out, but uh, Keldeo then gets frozen in a big old block of ice. And at this point, I think Ash wanted to help again, but the uh, three swords were kind of like... Yeah, they stopped him. Just chill, just wait. And once, actually once uh, Keldeo gets frozen, Tarakion's about to jump down and help, but Kobalion stops him. Um... And after a while, clearly, Caldeo can't be frozen in ice forever, but Cabali, Caldeo uh, <laughs> finally uh, understands the weight of its sword, I guess, and its real sword, its energy-based horn, shows up, and he decides to fight, well, he, he continues to fight Kiram with that. Um, One thing I could say about this fight, it's very... Like, standard anime-ish. Right. It's not your standard Pokemon fight. It's more like a Dragon Ball Z or similar fight. Yeah. Big explosions. Big attacks. Um, and then eventually it comes down to, uh, I think, Terravolt versus, like, a, a, an upgraded version of Terravolt versus the uh, secret sword attack. Which is Kildeo's version of right. Sacred Sword. Right, that's the name of the... Yeah, yeah. And he does manage to cut the... Oh, right. The Terravolt's not actually aimed at Kildeo. It's aimed at uh, Ash and everyone. And Kildeo jumps in front of it and slices it in half using Sacred Sword. But this does severely weaken him. Uh, he loses his sec- uh, Secret Sword, the energy version. And then fucking Kirim comes over and just fucking stands on his horn. Which is the the upgraded version from his secondary form, his resolute form, and really beating a dead horse. Oh, there had to be at least one more. You knew yeah. it. Yeah. And Kadegus basically says, "Yeah, you win." 
just finish it. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Can't fight anymore. And Kiram doesn't kill him. It's like, oh, you decided to protect your friends instead of going for the win. Uh, and then he says, you have a fine sword. And then transforms back and then just walks away, basically. It's like, yep, yeah, that was the whole point, was just to uh, teach him the weight of his sword. Sure, whatever the fuck that means. So does this mean that three times prior to this, just these random horses with chips on their shoulders have shown up and tried to beat him up for no apparent reason? I think he's in on it. Like You, you think he's kind of like Hidden Master kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think he's actually a bad guy. I don't think the legendary swords are bad guys either. Once um, again, a movie with no villain. Right. Then the the mine or the area around the mine starts to cave in because of the fighting that was going on. But uh, everyone just gets out safely, and yeah, Kiram Kiram uses its ice powers to create a ice cave. Basically, instead, they describe it as an, like an ice castle. Right, exactly. So that was kind of a non-issue, really. Yeah. Keldeo then gets to take the sword oath with the rest of the trio, which uh, we do get to see earlier in the movie, but it was so nondescript that I didn't even bother describing it. It's one of uh, Keldeo's flashbacks. They put all their energy horns together. Right, and say, like, two is better than one. Uh, three, three is, is better, better than two, two. and then now four is, four is better than three. Yeah. And then there's a th- another part after that. Yeah, something Kobolon says. Um, and that's literally the credit. That's when it hits the credits. We don't get the goodbye scene until during the credits. They, they all leave, and the, uh, the others have to find their own way off the mountain back yeah. to town. During the credits, we see them leaving via the blimp that they stole. Um, Who's the door? <laughs> well, it's not pressurized. They They apparently take the blimp back to the museum and no negative repercussions are taken. No no one has any issues with, you know, the frozen train cars, the frozen rivers. Right. Missing blimps and trains. Yeah. We do get to see a scene of Jesse James and Meowth pushing a truck up a, tr- up a hill and then standing next to the truck at the top of the hill. I'm wondering if in the series that truck it has something important in it. I'm sure. They were using strength. Yeah. There's no Mew under it. And that's really all of note in the credits. So let's get right into our best and worst. All right. So, Doug, what was your favorite Pokemon in this movie? I honestly like uh, Kirim. Yep. I mean, its design was essentially exactly the same. It was supposed to be a hollow thing, which kind of made me kind of iffy on it having a voice. Right. You know, it's a shell. It's supposed to be the empty version of Zekrom and Reshram. Right. And they represent that well. It, it had no pupils, ex- for example. Right. But when it was in its fused forms, it did have pupils because it would technically be, you know, that Pokemon. Right. It was just cool. No, ice pun intended. <laughs> How about you? I also owned Kiram. Uh, cool. I mean, it, I mean, it was your standard protagonist, legendary. But I really liked the design of Kiram, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see it go black and white versions as well. Like, I wasn't sure it was going to do that. And I think they played it really well. They didn't do the whole DNA splicing route, which could have just added so much 
bullshit to this movie. With the extra legendaries being there and such. Yeah, and fusing them and all that crap. I'm, I'm glad he just had the ability to change form at will, basically. And uh, I like the design of both versions, so I think I think it was pretty cool. Yeah, Kieran was really... Tornado cool. lost points for me because of Hover Horse. Oh, yeah, the Hydro Jetpack thing. Okay, so what was the your least favorite Pokemon in this movie? I don't know why. It's probably something similar to like why you don't like Kecleon and that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like Cryogonal. Like I've never liked. I, I I can understand their design, their snowflake, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. I just don't like them. Like so, the entire Cryogonal swarm. Yeah, I guess it was a right. horde battle, but yeah. How about you? I also went with Cryogonal. <laughs> Yeah, I just I think they were really ineffectual in this movie. They just kind of pushed the plot forward that Kirem itself could have done. So they were kind of ancillary. And yeah, they, their design is kind of bland. I mean, you could say the same thing about Vanillite and whatnot. But I, I don't know, just something about them rubbed me the wrong way too. Yeah. Okay, so what was your favorite scene in this movie? My favorite scene? Yeah. Any of the times that uh, Kirim actually transformed. Okay. Because it was just how they presented it. It was quick. It wasn't like a super long transformation scene or mm-hmm. anything like that. And it was cool watching him shift quickly between yeah. his three forms. And you could also tell which form he was going to basically by the like aura around him. He had yeah. like an electric aura when he was transforming into Zekrom. And like it was more of a fiery aura when yeah. he was doing uh, Reshiram. But it, yeah. Well, yeah, because it is fire. Yeah, he would getting... explode into like a fire yeah, ball. Yeah, restaurant is fire type. I keep thinking restaurants, uh, ice when it's cure and proper is ice. The only thing that was weird was he kind of made a small element ball before he would get that huge aura and suck it into his butt. Or yeah, a, like the tip of yeah. his tail, which I is guess that's like a claw. That's the uh, the DNA splicing uh, aspect of yeah. the transformation. Yeah. Um, I also like that. Uh, that weird, like, super version of that, where, like, his little wing tips would turn into, like, ten- tentacles and, and stick into his tail. Yeah, kind of like uh, how Rushroom that's did that normally, that has the turbine tail like that. Oh, uh, they both have, uh, actually, Zekrom has a turbine, and Rushroom has, like, a flame spout. Oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. I didn't actually know the difference of those tails. Yeah. Who's yours, your uh, favorite? My favorite was the fight scene at the end. It, it it was pretty long, but I think it it played really well. Like like you said, it wasn't your standard Pokemon battle. I mean, in a way it was where like the Pokemon were shooting fire beams out of their mouths or something, but it it definitely had more of a traditional anime feel to it and I thought it was pretty cool. Um also the fact that they named their city Roshan City. I really <laughs> like that. Nerd. So what was, I think we're going to both have the same least favorite Will we? scene. Will we? Is it Hydro Pump Horse? Actually, no. Okay, what was yours? Uh, my least favorite scene was most of the short. The really? One. I really didn't enjoy the short. The only, uh-huh. Most of the short I kind of felt was, eh. I actually really liked the short because of the... the uh, fan service? Not fan service, the homage aspect to it. That way, yes. But just in general, the, the short, even compared to other shorts, which is kind of meh. Yeah. I don't. I didn't really like the crayon style in the last time they used it for right. the beach 
the playground rescue, whatever it was. Right. I don't like the overtalkative narrator. Right. I didn't mind that it was a female this time. That was a neat change. Yeah. She at least talked through the whole thing. Yeah. And just, just in general, it was just kind of like, we're going to force all these Pokemon here to celebrate. Yeah. And it's just going to be clustered. This short did make me think of something, though, since we don't see Ash and company. Are these Ash's Pokemon at all? Like, any of them? Like, that could just be a Pikachu. Like, that doesn't have to be... I, except for the Meowth. Yeah, the that's, Meowth is that's the only, the only thing that throws, That's the only thing that throws everything off is that Meowth. But Meowth never goes after Pikachu, at least not in this movie. Yeah, but there have been plenty of times where Meowth hasn't yeah. gone after Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, but not, not even in just the movie or right. the shorts. I but think, the problem is that it can talk. Yeah, yeah. I just because we see a bunch of old Pokemon that probably are not Ashes or Misty. Some of them have evolved, right? Exactly, like the Charmander that's in there, Togepi, right? Exactly. Um, But yeah, it definitely made me think about that. This might not even be Pikachu because we don't see Ash dropping it off or anything. So, okay, this was Pikachu's life before he was a a trained Pokemon. Maybe, yeah. So I'm guessing from your reveal that. Your least favorite seat was the Hydro Horse. Yes. I like I, I actually like this movie and we'll get into the, the the ratings in a bit, but yeah, that part stuck out to me as the dumbest. Like the whole scene, even with the cryogonal and stuff like that. I mean I like the the fact that they were all lined up and Ash kept hitting them so they was like <laughs> domino effect against each other, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it it just came off its awkward you know what? Maybe if you take it as a joke, it works really well. Because the way he was like, like flopping around with his legs was pretty funny. But trying to take it seriously, man, just didn't work. One day he will master that power, and you'll just see him like perfectly straight up and down, flying yeah. through the air on on his water jets. Yeah. And then yeah. it will be stupid. Yes, then it will be stupid. Okay, so let's. What's your rating from Pokeball being the worst, Great Ball being pretty good? Ultra Ball being really good and Master Ball being the best. What did you rate this movie? Honestly, I feel like I've been very conservative recently. Yeah. I have to give it a great ball. Yeah. It it was a good movie. I I might watch it again maybe someday. Yeah. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, I'd say, though. Right. Once again, it was kind of like with, with Black and White. There's just nothing that quite stood over the top for me. Like, yeah. There were really good fight scenes. The Pokemon were okay. Yeah. Just nothing. It didn't have that one big thing that set the next tier for me. Okay. Your rating? I actually went with the Ultra Ball this time. Uh, Like you said, it wasn't the greatest movie. And it didn't have, like, a lot of big things to it. But it definitely wasn't terrible. Like, it was was good. It was a good movie. It was watchable. It definitely was watchable. Um, What really gave it to me is the... uh, the homage stuff, uh, mm. like I, I, you could tell that they really cared this time. Like it, it definitely didn't feel cheap in any way. It definitely feel felt you could you could kind of see the the heart in this movie, and I kind of that's why I kind of that that's what bumped it up for me. It's kind of sad that they removed the one part from the opening scenes uh, that was the exact homage to this being the fifteenth movie. Right? Yeah, the number fifteen. With a bunch of screens of the older movies, yeah, of all the old movies. So yeah, that 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 the concept of that scene is kind of what put it over the edge. It's like, 
you could definitely feel in this movie that they cared. So that's definitely why I gave it Mr. Ball over a great ball. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks again for listening. If you want to find us online, you can find us at our website, which is genzeropodcast.com. G-E-N, the number zero, podcast, altogether.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can write us an email at genzeropodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, even though I don't update those very often. Uh, also at Gen Zero Podcast. And uh, you can find us on iTunes if you want to subscribe there. And while you're there, if you could give us a, a rate and a review, that could really help us out a lot. But until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Doug. See you. Later. Cheers.